one of the Edward. characters. Edward and I, I can't remember his name. Uh Cedric Diggory, I think, in Harry Potter. Mm, yeah. So I forget he was in Harry Potter. Yeah. And like he's got a huge following. Um, you know why I forget it? Because he's been making fire movies that's right. for over a decade that aren't Harry Potter. Yes. Or Twilight. Twilight. So. Get over it, people. Right. He's more than just his vampire. You don't want people self. to stay with your past, so move on. Right. Soapbox off. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Kenneth Jackson. I'm an actor from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Trey Riley. I'm a writer-director from Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is Cinevibes. All right, so today we will be talking about trailers all right i have compiled a few trailers that i've found throughout the week and trey has done the same and these are some trailers that we just happened to find uh we wanted to just spend a bit of time to anticipate what is to come in the next year and what hopefully will be uh enjoyable in theaters all around the world and just uh wanted to take a second to enjoy some trailers many people look over trailers yeah my list is kind of from the start of fall Mm -hmm. like the first reaction trailers for a lot of films that were coming out either yeah later this year and a few are coming out in 2021 as well Mm -hmm. it's hard to tell uh where anything's really coming out Mm -hmm. unless it's netflix of course or amazon because All the other ones are toss-ups. I mean, they could all get pushed, so I'm not really going to focus on when they're coming out as much as I don't think they're out yet mm-hmm. or by the time this episode drops. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I have a little bit more than a few, but I'll try and be quick. Cause <laughs> I nice. just, man, some of these trailers. Yeah. Also, a note here, and I don't know what Ken did, but I only watched these once. Right. So like... I didn't dive back into them. It's just first reaction, mm-hmm. what I thought. So, yeah. But before we dive into that, did you watch anything this week? All right. So I attempted to, and then <laughs> I was too busy. All right. I attempted to, I got back on the um, Criterion channel and I attempted to watch a film that uh, many people probably wouldn't have heard of unless. Um, you delved really deeply. If you're a horror fan, you most likely have heard of it. Uh, I'm not a horror fan, mm-hmm. but since I this film is older, uh, I want to say that I'm most likely not going to be as scared. You know, you go and watch a Nosferatu, you're not going to be like peeing your pants. I mean, that was that was revolutionary for the people back then. That was horrifying. Now we're just like, where's like the decapitations and like <laughs> where's the blood and gore and all that. Um, so I ended up trying to watch Velvet Vampire, the Velvet Vampire. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. So that film, Velvet Vampire, it was released in 1971 and you can honestly tell the 70s vibe was completely immersing in the film. So I watched a decent amount of it. 
Um, I did not get to the meaty, juicy part of it yet, but um, I'm still, uh, whenever I find time, I'm going to finish it. Uh, but I wanted to give that a shot and uh, see what it was like. The first few, I would say, first 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour was pretty, you know, setting up uh, about the woman being, you know, she's not as defenseless as possible. And honestly, if you went to watch this film and you're like, oh, she's just a woman, she's not... A why? Why uh, would she be anything else? You know what I mean. Like some, you're not going to go into this film and you're like, you're instantly looking for who the velvet vampire is. Honestly, you probably saw the poster and like, oh, that's her. So when you watch the film, you're like, oh, she's a vampire, right? But they set it up to where she uh, almost gets mugged and um, she pretty much kills the guy. So spoiler mm. alert for Oops. the first five minutes of the film. Um, <laughs> so I thought it was pretty uh, interesting. I'm going to definitely go back and watch it. Um, but that was pretty much my attempt at watching stuff this week. I, I swear, my hopefully my schedule will be fixed in the next uh, few weeks to where I can actually unwind and start watching some films Yeah, and start watching some stuff. I'm with you on that. I've had pretty busy schedule as of late and... Finding time to watch movies has been few and far in between, but mm-hmm. the only thing I watched was actually a rewatch, and that was La La Land. La La Land. I, I saw you that posted again. about it. Yeah. That's always a good movie. One of my Nothing favorites. Nothing else needs to be said about La La Land. Yeah. We all get the gist. We all know it's a banger. Exactly. Should have uh, won Best Picture 2016, but <laughs> I'm not salty about it. Damon, Damon Chazelle, come on. He's, what a legend. He's got... A bunch of good stuff under his belt already yeah and he's so young i know it's kind of sickening in a way but mm-hmm. i digress like how dare you be this talented <laughs> how dare you it's uh just stupid doesn't make sense right <laughs> took all the whatever he took everything he took all the creative juices out of yes. what i could possibly be Alrighty, do you want to kick us off with the first trailer that you watched all right so the first trailer that I watched, uh, just to go back, I'd seen it before, um, just as a trailer uh, online and everything. And I think this was a film that many people, if you're a fan of the series that they have, uh, you you probably were very nice to be thrown back in time to this franchise. Bill and Ted Face the Music. And so I watched that one and, I mean, come on, Keanu. And, I mean, of course, the... Uh, Fellow actor as well. <laughs> I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> I no apologize. one knows his name. Uh, do you know his name? I have no idea. Uh, I haven't seen the original two either. But I saw that the third one tried to come out in theaters. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it if it may did. Have? I know everything was kind of shut down, so maybe it was there. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know where it's yeah. at currently. So it was, uh, of course, Keanu. Love him. He's breathtaking. We got Alex Winter there as well. That's um, his name. And I just want to like say, you know, with uh, it, it, it's more of like a nostalgia trip, I think, for many of those that are a fan of the series. But um, it's a concept that uh, we've we've seen before in films where, you know, it's time traveling. They have to time travel back uh, to make sure they write a song that saves the world, right? So you got this grandiose plot that is just like, 
question marks abound, but that's why you watch the film. You're you're mm-hmm. not you're not there for like, oh my god, this is extremely logical. They show the exact science behind a time traveling right. telephone booth. You know what Especially I mean? Especially with a movie like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you kind of throw that out the window. Yeah. So I think that um, it, when you when it comes to one of these, you're going to the theater to have some fun. You're you're going there to enjoy stuff. You're suspending yeah. disbelief to an unbelievable amount, but mm-hmm. it's a fun ride. Do you think with this one? The third time's a charm, or you think they went too far, too late, no one wanted it, perhaps, or what are your thoughts? I feel as though this may be, and honestly, it most likely is like a nostalgia trip that they wanted to do and have a lot of uh, people gushing over it because it is Mm -hmm. Bill and Ted. So it is a franchise, uh, in a sense. And But I also think that with the amount of just all-around clout that Keanu Reeves has received in the last few years. It's just, like, it seemed almost like a no-brainer. Like, all right, we got Keanu Reeves. What can we make a film with him about? Remember Bill and Ted? Let's build a script around that. (laughs) Now, I don't know if this script was in the works uh, prior to maybe uh, four years ago. Um, I would assume they'd worked on it longer. Maybe they had this in the works since... um, since the last one, probably. Yeah, maybe they had the idea, but they never fully went through with it. Uh, and maybe they just waited for the correct time, you know, for the script to actually be done. Wanted them to be older, right? To yeah. portray these characters. So, um, it could be a nostalgia trip that they did it for, but also I think at the same time, I think it's just a fun ride, you know? And I we imagine a fun ride. they're not advertising to new viewers of the series. It's like, for mm-hmm. the fans, yeah, and movies like that can be interesting mm-hmm. and a really good time because they're not trying to grab anyone new or do anything different. It's yeah. just like this is what you wanted, and here it is. Yep, just throw it right on the table. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so, what was the first one that you watched? I watched a trailer for a movie called Sound of Metal. Ah, okay. And it's an Amazon original that's coming out, and it has Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. Mm-hmm. And the kind of plotline for it is a heavy metal drummer who is going deaf. Mm. And so the trailer kind of grabbed me more than I thought it would, mm-hmm. because it starts really playing with how can someone first off continue their career drumming without right. being able to hear. Yeah, that's kind of like we would assume it's a very important thing when it comes to music, right? Hearing. Yeah. I mean, we had Beethoven, but come on, it was Beethoven. It did a cool thing with kind of transitioning the sound in the trailer to like beats and mm-hmm. like vibrations. And, you know, obviously he's learning sign language now and things like that. But I just, I really got pulled into it. And I was like, man, I think this right. is going to be a really powerful, like drama type film. Mm-hmm. And Riz Ahmed's great. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about him a little little bit back with Rogue One. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on this one, actually, and I'll be excited to see it. So I think it'll be on Prime Video at some point between right. now and maybe Christmas. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. I think that's such an interesting concept yeah. of just a drummer who is losing 
his ability to hear. I think that instantly when you hear that, like the first tagline, I mean, you don't even like they have one line on IMDb where it says a heavy, heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Like, Mm -hmm. and you instantly get the gravitas of the situation and the film, right? Yeah. The, you already feel terrible and up like, you know, you feel for this guy, right? Because a lot of log lines you read for drama movies is like, someone's life is turned upside down when tragedy strikes. Like, mm-hmm. I've made that film before. Mm-hmm. I definitely know that generic line, but mm-hmm. like you're saying, this one, you're just, oh, like, that's interesting. That's a little bit different Yeah. than the normal thing I stumble across. It's quirky because you would never think about that, right? You would never think about the artists and the musicians who... What if they do become deaf? Mm-hmm. How do they deal with that? How is that emotionally? Like, that's almost like, you know, you using your right hand for everything and then losing it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I mean, you can learn to live with it, but it, it's very, very inconvenient, right? Yeah. Or you could take something like you're a painter and you lose the ability to see, right? That's another one where it's just like, that's... So you're losing something that you identify yourself with, right? Whether it's your, uh, you as a drummer who uh, prides yourself on your ability to hear tempo and um, follow the rhythm, but losing your hearing, it really stagnates that. Now, I don't know if vibrations play a f- factor into it or anything, but I, th- I, I, can al- I can say I already feel for this. Yeah, I think it'll be a good one. What's up next for you, my friend? So, I'm going to say Dune. It's got to be Dune. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, we definitely know that got pushed back, right? Coming out with the big guns. Dune pushed back. I cried. (laughs) I cried very, very... We all knew it was coming. We all... It was inevitable. Man, just one of the things that I'm really looking forward to in this new film, and one thing that I loved seeing in the trailer of this film was, you know, of course it centers around Paul Atreides and what they did not capture in the first film, I think they may have skirted past it. Maybe they did do it, and I'm not remembering correctly, but there was this box uh, that they tested him by, Mm. and you would have to put your hand in there. Um, And as soon as he puts his hand in there, uh, I can't remember what her name was. It was like, they called her something mother. Um... But she was like the elder and she trained the people, uh, the Atreides family. And you would put your hand into this box and she would instantly hold uh, a needle to your neck. And it was like an inch from your neck um, or to Paul's neck. And she said, if you take your hand out or at least move it out of the box just slightly, she will like impale him and it's fatal poison. Hmm. So you're like, okay, well, what about it? But then for (laughs) some reason, the box starts causing his hand to start burning. And this unbearable, just unbelievable pain in his hand. Literally, the book describes it as his hands feel like they're melting. Like his skin is being peeled back and just melted off. And just, it feels like it's literally burning him to his, like, to his skeleton right to his bones brutal and that was one of the scenes that was 
shown in the trailer and I think that's fantastic is that they added that bit because I think it's really huge uh, depending on what um, or how Villeneuve will be uh, how he will be portraying this and directing it and what he focuses on more we'll find out but um, what was that dialogue in that scene with the box because I, I remember that myself it was really captivating mm-hmm. do you that, remember uh, from the trailer? Yeah, something about pain. Mm-hmm. And it was really clever how it was said. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. Um, I watched this uh, just a bit ago. And it was... Um, I, I just know that scene is fantastic. Just because if you watch Timothy Chalamet's reaction, like, and you understand the circumstances, oh yeah. Oh yeah, you'd be screaming. Yeah. You'd be howling. And there's like a uh, all-star lineup in this movie, right? Oh my god. We got some Just massive name anyone, names. they're probably in it. Yeah, we got Oscar Isaac playing um Paul's father and then we got And Paul is Chalamet's character, right? Timothy Chalamet does play Paul. We got Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica Zendaya. Come on, Zendaya. So good. Chani. And then we have Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, which I love that casting. Uh, I love the casting of um, Oscar Isaac as well, just because, I mean... Oscar Isaac can be in anything and I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. And then Javier Bardem mm. is in there as Stilgar. Um, if you're a fan of the books, you'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> you'd be like, this is fantastic. Honestly, I love it because if you watch the original film... Most everyone in the cast was white. Most everyone in the cast was white. But you got some... You got Zendaya. You got Jason Momoa. You got Oscar Isaac. You got Javier Bardem. Like, mm-hmm. you got some amazing uh, actors who are of different ethnicities, backgrounds, coming yeah. in to fill these roles. And many people back in the day probably did not consider that. Ever. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, that's that's... That's not something we can think about, right? Right. So, yeah, I love to see the diversity in the cast. But Absolutely. I just can't wait to see what uh, Villeneuve does with this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the book. Book or books? Is there multiple books? Oh, there's multiple books. Many people yeah. focus mainly on the first one, Dune. Right. Um, it does follow with, like, Children of Arrakis and stuff like that. Gotcha. Or Children of Dune. But, you know, even still... Like when Villeneuve makes a movie and you see this lineup, like you want to go see it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's going to have a big draw and shed a lot of light on a series that is already super famous and just make it even bigger. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sweet. Next up for me is a film called Minari. Mm -hmm. Don't know if many people have heard about this one. I was kind of doing festival run did the Sundance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's A24, so you know it's like oh, right A24. there. Come on. Exactly what you want. Executive producer's Brad Pitt mm. on this one, which is awesome. That's awesome. He's been getting into that a lot lately, and honestly, he's been picking some good ones to back, and mm-hmm. so I appreciate that. Got uh, Lee Isaac Chang, the director, who is Korean-American, mm-hmm. and so... What I understand about this one is it's kind of like his life story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 
like American dream type story of a Korean family growing up on a small farm right. in Arkansas, mm-hmm. which like every movie you see about a small farm and wherever, it's just a white family all the time. Yeah. Like we never acknowledge that there's black families, Korean families, mm-hmm. Japanese, you know, whatever ethnicity of family, like all mm-hmm. of these people have had these experiences in America coming yeah. here from whatever background. Mm-hmm. And I just, I watched it and man, I was like, eyes welling up. This right. is going to be a really solid movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all in Korean for the most part. Right. And that's really cool because it's like an American film in Korean because mm-hmm. that's, you know, the language his family speaks. And right. I think that's really cool. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it's out yet, even though it is technically, I believe, for maybe even 2019. It's just been on the festival run forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got Steve Yoon in it, who is pretty mm-hmm. famous from, I think, Walking Dead maybe or something like that. Okay. I just, I'm stoked on it. I love seeing the representation and also, uh, you know, this type of story in general. I love seeing it. It's really cool and focus kind of more in on the you know, young kid in this family and his experience growing up in America in a different family. So yeah. mark that one down. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Like, we've talked about it plenty of times. And also... Uh, my next my next pick is about to be uh, something that I touch on this topic as well. Uh, it's just diversity. It's just having mm-hmm. different faces in there. Like many characters, you'll read them as a certain way. And uh, sometimes just thinking outside the box of what it could be and what somebody else of a different race or ethnicity or just whatever you want to call it, different background can bring to the table with their experiences and just their personality in general that you would never get from someone of the more of Caucasian descent. Right. You know what I mean? You you get so much more out of it. And yeah, yeah, I love that. And especially like a 24, they make some bangers. So, you know, that production wise, it's yeah. huge. They actually told him, when, because the director's also the writer, they told, like, they gave him permission, like, make this more Korean. Mm-hmm. Like, his first draft was too, like, watered down, I guess. And too, uh, probably watered down for the American slash Yeah, because he probably thought, like, they're going to want to see this, and I got to, like, tame it down. And, like, that's what I love about A24. They're like, make your film how you want to make your film. Yeah, that's amazing. And then also Brad Pitt. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. You got to love seeing him on a project. Yeah, I love seeing that he's in a producing role. Not to say that like this is not his first rodeo, I bet, but just like him getting out there and being involved with things rather than just being an actor. Yeah. Right. He just supports art. Like mm-hmm. who doesn't love that? Yeah. Nice. So, my next pick was The Witches. So I watched this. Interesting. And the reason uh, I watched it was because I remember reading this book in elementary school. I remember reading this book as a kid. It messed with me. <laughs> I was like, this is a kid's book? Yeah. It's about about a bunch of witches, like, just... He's got a way of doing that with his stories, right? Yeah. Real Children's dog, books that aren't Charlie about... Charlie and the Chocolate Factories, <laughs> another one where... I mean, 
children disappear in pretty uh, demented kind of setups. Yeah, it's very magical, very mystical uh, setups that he has, and I really uh, I watched this because of that reason of the um, my having read the book, and I mm-hmm. I believe I'd watched the original. Uh, that had come out. I can't remember in what year it had come out. I think it was around 2000, but it was, uh, I, I had, uh, watched this for that reason. Just the nostalgia. I want to see what they got going on. It looks very colorful, very bright, very just polished and very, as if you're watching a book, you know what I mean? As if you're watching something, a tale out of a book, Mm -hmm. like you're watching an actual representation of the book. Whether it follows it 100%, I don't know. Right. But you got some people in here that, you know, it's another cast where it's fantastic. You got Chris Rock, Octavia Spencer, and then you, of course, have Anne Hathaway as the Grand High Witch, mm-hmm. you know. You've got some of these bigger names, but also I think it does a fantastic job of highlighting some of the child actors that are there as well with Jazeera Bruno, um who is known for most likely, like mostly for Atlanta. Is he playing the small boy, Octavia Spencer's son, maybe? He, yeah, I believe so. And okay. he, he's titled as Hero Boy. Um, gotcha. So all of these people, they really don't have too many uh, names to them, surprisingly. Like you got uh, Chris Rock, who is older Hero Mouse, and then Jazeer Bruno plays hero boy octavia spencer plays grandma and then even like anne hathaway is grand high witch like they don't have names it's uh, like proper names so it it even adds to the more of like this is not about you know it is world building but it's not a hundred percent about oh this is her name and you have to follow this it's more of like oh that's grandma this is the hero boy. Mm-hmm. This is the grand high witch. You're not focusing on names and everything and getting too intricate or yeah, uh, in just the, the relationships. Mm-hmm. So I watched that and, like I said, it's very colorful. I love uh, just that use of color. I'm a big fan of that. Um, very contrasty colors, and then also, um, I'm interested to see how this film pans out because the original was very nightmarish (laughs) it was very nightmare fuel so yeah i'm interested to see if they went a more lighthearted route and i'm assuming it's mainly for children audiences so which you know that's not gonna deter me from watching like i'm not right uh, i'm a a grown man i'll watch it (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of adult things laced throughout it if it's anything like the book i imagine I'm curious what your thoughts are on when you see a book's being made into a movie because you talked about Dune and now mm-hmm. The Witches. Do you have like set images of what you're expecting to see and then as soon as a trailer or whatever comes on, you're like, hmm, that's not really what I saw. Or are you like, oh, that's what they're doing. Really? And then like, you just like let it happen. It was it was like I mentioned with Villeneuve. It's, it really depends on what he focuses on. Because with Dune, you can focus so heavily on the political as- aspect of Dune, right? The families feuding, like, and there's a whole few chapters where it's just dedicated to talking about the political atmosphere of this entire, pl- like, uh, intergalactic civilization where pretty much 
planets are de- like treated as duchies pretty much like back in hre there was certain holdings and stuff it's almost like a family owned this planet another family owned this planet and like they that's what they ruled yeah um so you can get very political with it villeneuve um i don't know how he's going to approach it i think the older version um went the more at actiony sci-fi big effects route and very intricate like i think it was a winner for or one it was up for like best set designing just because it was so intricately made um and so i'm curious if villeneuve goes in the more political route or if he focuses more on uh familial uh relationships or if he focuses more on like maybe topics uh, garnered towards today's audiences, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. whether it be just a family coming to a planet that to rule it, but they had never been there before and how they interact with the natives. Right. Uh, Maybe he's going to touch on some topics from today. I don't know, but um, I'm interested to see how he weaves it. But as far as like other books being made, into films i think you approach it from a bunch of different aspects uh villeneuve is probably uh going to pick what he what jumped out to him and what he wants to portray with it uh robert zemeckis with the witches is most likely going to portray his version of what he had seen and it's never sometimes uh it can be so out of left field that you're just like this was done just for money right but sometimes (laughs) you can tell someone who makes a movie about a book was truly a fan of the book and that it yeah. was written for fans of the book, right? Um, just colored in differently by the director and all of the different uh, producing uh, aspects. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we've seen with a lot of the young adult books, it go both ways with, oh, this is making money. Let's mm-hmm. just totally not follow the book at all and use a title. Yeah. And that's it. Um, but yeah, I appreciate when they stay on task and really do the book justice because you have to. Like, you're using the title. Mm-hmm. Follow the book. It's good. Yeah. There's, so, like, there's your plot. You don't have to, you don't have to change it. No one wants you to. You don't have to add to. anything. Don't feel like you need to add anything. You can omit things because time, right? Yeah. Or focus on one area or the other. But, you know, I don't know. I have a, we could do a whole episode on books to movies because sometimes it gets me pretty fired up. Right. That's great. Yeah. My next one, and this is actually probably the best one I've seen of all the ones on my list in terms of like goosebumps, chills on my back of my neck type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And this was Nine Days. Nine days. This is directed by Edson Oda, and mm-hmm. it's a Sony Pictures classic. Again, one that's kind of maybe skirting the festival scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Listen to this logline. A man interviews five unborn souls to determine which one can be given life on Earth. Mm. Boom. Man. And the man doing the interview is Winston Duke. Mm. who I don't think we've seen in a substantial role yet. So I'm looking for this one to be his breakout because from what I've seen in the trailer, it's going to be like acting chops on display hardcore here. 
So I'm super down for it. There's like a freshness here that I haven't seen in a while, and it just feels very like mystical and interesting and like this fantastical element. And uh, in the trailer, you're seeing these people like as adults, mm-hmm. but they're not here yet. Like they haven't been, they're like going through these nine days yeah. as it's titled to determine which one's going to kind of win and yeah. get life. So it's really interesting. Looks very like out of left field in a way and kind of off the beaten path. And I tend to love finding those movies. So, Oh yeah. Nine days. Yeah, I uh I I definitely dig that because that log line um and just the overall ambiance, it's got to be so like it's been it's been released. Wow. I I got to find this somewhere. Wherever it's showing, this will be the next film I watch. But I definitely dig those types of movies where it brings a different element to it that you would never see coming, right? Many times mm-hmm. I'd be driving in my car and I'm like, oh, what would happen if, you know, this, this or this happened to this person on like, you know, uh, the subway or whatever. Right. Maybe someone who's been working all day and it's all about perspective too. like filming. It really depends on how you uh, want to film it, like perspective wise, whose perspective are you telling? Who is the narrator per se? Like who is the one you're following and what perspective are you showing? And just like you could be watching someone on a subway who literally has had the worst day of their life at work and it's just getting to them. And then, you know, he gets off the train and he gets himself something to eat off uh, out of a vending machine and someone runs up and pretty much like, I don't know, just takes it from him. Uh, and it's just being a real, you know, bad dude. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just like, Things that you would just think of like right off the bat, you know what I mean? It's not something that is premeditated. Like, uh, of course, we love that sort of stuff. Like take a Nolan film, for example, like all of his films are so well thought out. And so mm-hmm. like they are very uh, imaginative in how they approach everything as well. He usually focuses on time manipulation and other such in most of his films, but you know, the way he approaches everything is like, what would happen if, you know, there was this group of people who infiltrated dreams for a living, uh, right? Yeah. Get Inception. Um, that's that's all you need. It's like, wow, I would watch a film on people who did that, right? Much mm-hmm. like this film, a rec- reclusive man conducts a series of interviews with human souls for a chance to be born, right? That's one where I'm like, oh, I wonder how the interviews are going. Like, it depends on the mood of the film as well. Like, is it dark? Like, oh, he really, you know, why does he have this power in his hands, right? It brings up more questions than answers. And I think a good logline, good uh, trailer, and just good overall premise does that for you. Yeah, and I mean, I know nothing about the movie, really, from Mm -hmm. the trailer. And I want to see it very, very badly. So. There's something to that that I think a lot of trailers just fail to do. They Mm -hmm. tell you the whole plot. They lay out half the movie, and then you can guess the other half. And I found the trailers that captivate me the most are the ones where I'm like, hmm, 
like just in awe, like thinking, wondering like where it's going to go. Yeah. And this one's definitely doing that. Cause like you mentioned, like who is this guy that gets to determine who comes to live on earth? Like mm-hmm. what kind of, how did he get this power and all yeah. these questions? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So yeah, I am going to move on to my next pick, which has got to be one that I heard a lot of praise about uh, from a lot of people that I work with. And this is one where it's almost like a Bill and Ted type, uh, you know, bringing back the um, nostalgia a bit and using Mm -hmm. almost the name for it. And that is Borat. Hey. So we're (laughs) Borat... (laughs) I, I just, the newest Borat, I've heard so many rave reviews about it. A subsequent film. Borat subsequent movie film. Yeah. I And you can look at, like, I mean, just look at the poster. I think that gives you all you need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I was talking to my friends about just Sasha Baron Cohen in general. And I think he's just one of those where he's so committed. Like, he is unbelievably committed to the role of Borat and just being in the character and going above and beyond to get content for what he needs, right? He's mm-hmm. one of those that's not afraid to, you know, guerrilla filmmake and get reactions, right? He's not one of those that's afraid to take a punch to the face and stay in character <laughs> after being punched. Right. He's not going to break character and be like, oh, what, uh, I'm just acting. He's going to maintain his character. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I give high props to him. But of course, like, come on, Borat. I've heard that this nice. film is actually like really good, right? Yeah. I've heard and it's fantastic. Like, very relevant to all the things going on in the Political world. Political atmosphere and just the yeah. uh, atmosphere of the world in general. Seems like it, uh, Came out at a solid time. Borat saves the world. Or <laughs> save, yeah, that's, I think that was one of the log lines of it. Uh, it's Tony Tony, so that could certainly be true. Mm-hmm. It said like the log line was follow up to the film, uh, 2006 comedy centering on the real life adventures of a fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat. <laughs> what? Wait, fictional? Borat's fictional? What? Borat's so real. What? It was. It seemed so real. <laughs> My wife. He's got so many fans. The most quotable thing ever. Most quotable movie ever. So the second one got an Amazon release, right? Yes, it was released on Amazon. So people could check that out now if they want. I think. Oh yeah, that uh, I I, I highly recommend it. Just Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, and it's actually hilarious because Trump apparently like tweeted about it and was like, I don't find this funny at all. I think this is, uh, you're unentertaining, uh, very unoriginal. The very fact unfunny. that he tweeted about I it. Know. I was like, he watched it. It affected what? him. I was like, what is Trump doing watching this? I was like, what? I mean, it's not like he can't watch films, but yeah, why Borat? <laughs> And then, of course, Sacha Baron Cohen, he, he responds saying, oh, well, I don't think you're funny either, but apparently the rest of the world is laughing at you. That sort of thing. <laughs> That's um, funny. And he was like, hey, let me know if you'd ever want to uh, work on a film in the future. I could always use more like 
big round buffoons and clowns or something like that. And so he had a snarky comment uh, to go back at uh, Trump with. But I, it's a very politically charged film that I think is using comedy as uh, it always has been used is a magnifying glass and just using it as a torch to shed light on subjects that we may be on may that may be too taboo to talk about. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. I think that's a great thing about the film medium is mm-hmm. you can approach heavy subjects through a comedic avenue and really so hit like a pretty hard point. And yeah. as far as I understand it, that's what this movie does. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, my next one, and I'm going to go ahead and say this is potentially one that's being made and kind of going to be in the Oscar buzz, perhaps, mm-hmm. but it's called Hillbilly Elegy. Ah, yes. And it is Ron Howard's next film, so you're already stoked on that, mm-hmm. and it's from Netflix. So I think this might be one of theirs that's in the ring going toe-to-toe with whatever else comes out around Christmas, which is, yeah. I think, when this comes out. So this film, I've heard of it, and I, I heard of it a long time ago. Like, I, I can't remember why I heard about it. Um, it may be because I saw, like, breakdowns of um, extra work to be done on it uh, maybe mm-hmm. a year ago. But I knew that they were working on it and I just remembered hearing, you know, Hillbilly Elegy and then I saw Ron Howard was behind it Mm -hmm. and you got Hans Zimmer, David Fleming as composers. I mean, it's it's stacking up to be a really good film and it takes place in Appalachia pretty much. Yeah. And it's it's probably I don't want to say it's going to be familiar to um. Maybe maybe setting wise, uh, Devil All the Time, right? That was yeah. more Tennessee, but this is more of like um, it could be Tennessee, West Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Kentucky yeah. area, maybe something yeah. like that. So it it's um definitely uh something that I wanted to watch. Uh, I've been yeah. keeping my eye on because it's just one of those where it just seems so interesting, right? And, like, this is one where I feel like you just have to see the trailer and you have to be wanting to watch it for the character performances because, it, on paper, the logline's fairly boring. It's right. a law student drawn back to his hometown, grapples with family and Appalachian values and a family dream. Just, okay, like, a drama film. Like, mm-hmm. just like I was talking about earlier, they're kind of like, okay, you know. It's going to have fighting or something in it that's got big performances. Mm-hmm. But when you see Amy Adams and Glenn Close, you immediately have to give props to like the makeup and the special effects team that was working on them, or the makeup team, because mm-hmm. they did a killer job with like aging these two actors. And I think we see them at kind of two different stages of their life when mm-hmm. this kid that it focuses on is like a teen and then also when he's an adult or finishing up law school yeah so if nothing else i could see it uh getting in in the oscars just for you know the makeup and things like that because 
it looks really well done and the performances are just like mind-blowing this mother-daughter dynamic going on yeah with amy adams and glenn close yeah uh one other thing i want to do with this is give a shout out to like maurice alberti as the cinematographer you don't really see too many uh females behind the camera heck yeah but that's also fantastic is seeing her as well as vanessa taylor being the screenplay uh adaptation from the book by jd vance so all that sort of stuff uh all the praise for women as well as the women in the film as well amy adams glenn close Haley bennett frida pinto like i love Haley bennett mm-hmm. yeah i i just love the uh stacked women cast that's going on here i mean you you have ron howard leading the way and i love seeing him back uh i haven't mm-hmm. seen a project from him in a long time what was the last thing that he put out it's been it's been a long time years yeah he's been kind of off the grid he might have been doing some tv stuff a little bit mm-hmm. but he hasn't made a film in a while yeah so i love to see him back but also i love to see the women in the film uh and just empowering like having women in cinema behind the camera rather than just oh they're writers or oh they have to be this that and the other um yeah breaking boundaries and also like to speak on the hillbilly elegy uh topic and just like the overall log line of the film i think it's really interesting because i think it has the power to shed light on some american values and uh things that we hold dear to us even in the most remote parts of the you know of the country and mm-hmm. show that, you know, people in these areas believe this sort of stuff, re- regardless of how wild it is. But, uh, and what could happen, and, you know, the effect of being raised by a certain value and family belief, right? And what it could have on a child, right? And it's almost like nature versus nurture is kind of being uh, zoomed in on, in a sense. Yeah, and I I think when we look at stories where people are leaving these regions where they're perhaps, I'm just going to say brainwashed, but I can't think of another word right now, but they're just like stuck in these mindsets and right or wrong, that's like the thing that everyone does Mm -hmm. generation after generation. And then a generation decides to leave and like kind of see the world and have their eyes open a little bit, Um, returning and, mm-hmm. you know, struggling with the difference that maybe they didn't see before. Now it's like, wow, this whole dynamic in which I grew up was like totally different. Or maybe now they think it's wrong or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. I think that's always interesting to see play out. Yeah. What's next? I got the devil all the time. I had brought it up just a bit ago, but devil all the time. It, just mainly because following... Robert Pattinson's evolution in the last few years and just seeing him continue to grow and establish himself as well as seeing Tom Holland, of course, is fantastic. I This this film, it's wacky and I've heard it's pretty wild. It is. <laughs> Definitely not one you need to go watch with the family, not one you need to go watch when you're about, you know, you're wanting to have a very pleasant evening. It's not a date night film. Yeah. Um, but I've heard it's really good and, uh, it's wacky and it's another one of those where it highlights 
it, it has the potential to highlight some, you know, almost cult like aspects of America, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right there with the previous film we talked about, probably shining light on very similar topics and issues and kind of worldviews that they might have in those areas of the of the country and mm-hmm. yeah that's all, for me like personally that's really fascinating i really get into movies that focus in on that area because you drive two hours outside of those regions and it's a whole other world mm-hmm. and it's just like you go here and they're just totally kind of in this whole different thing and it's kind of mind-blowing to be honest especially nowadays i mean yeah. i think devil all the time set um in the past, but as as we talked about a little bit before, I think, and um, so yeah, it's just you know I don't know what the state is now, but I know some of that's still very active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean we just talked about it, but Haley Bennett, she's in there as well. You know, mm-hmm. you got so Tom good. Holland, you've got Bill Skarsgård, um, my man Harry Melling, which. It's always nice to see him getting more work <laughs> um, and trying his best to shed the uh, light off of uh, uh, just H- Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like kind of kind of trying to get that out of his system and people's perception. And I mean, the same goes for Robert Pattinson with being known as um, one of the Edward. characters. Edward and I, I can't remember his name. Uh, Cedric Diggory, I think, in Harry Potter. Mm, yeah. So I forget he was in Harry Potter. Yeah, and like he's got a huge following. Um, you know why I forget it? Because he's been making fire movies. That's right. For over a decade that aren't Harry Potter. Yes. Or Twilight. Twilight. So. Get over it, people. Right. He's more than just his vampire. You don't want people self. to. Stay with your past and move on. Right. Soapbox off. So yeah, I watched the that trailer and it's just, it's wild, it's wacky, and I love uh, Robert Pattinson's accent. Delusions. That was actually pretty good. Thank you. I've been Did practicing practice my that? Robert Pattinson impressions doing. You're waiting a, the whole episode to drop that, weren't you? I, I've been waiting the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, Just looking for my it's such accent. a unique uh, accent, one of a mm-hmm. kind, I would say. Yeah, so I love it, love the film, uh, or at least I need to watch the film. Uh, I've heard good stuff about it. Just yeah. brace, brace yourself. Just sitting there on Netflix waiting for you. I know, ripe, ripe for the picking. Yep. All right, next up for me is... One that I was unaware of at all until I searched up the trailers and found this one. It's called Sylvie's Love. Mm. And it's an Amazon original, so it'll be on Prime. And it's a romance story Mm. starring Tessa Thompson, who we've grown to love through the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Among other things. But... It's set in the 1950s, so I'm a sucker for that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And she falls in love with a saxophone player, and yeah. they're both uh, African-American, so it's a story 
set around them falling in love, separating whatever reasons, then kind of coming back together later. But there was a a quote in it that just like caught me. Like I had to pause the trailer and write it down because I thought it was so powerful. And she says, and this is her talking to the guy that she falls in love with. I can't be the woman of your dreams while also trying to be the woman of mine. Mm. Like, what? Wow. Isn't that like hitting everyone in the heart? Like, as you hear That's that? like, how, how dare you throw something so, like, heart-wrenching and also very poetic and just... True. Oh, <laughs> how, how, it's so true. How, yeah. how could you do this to me? Now I'm crying in my corner <laughs> yeah and you know it just seems like it's got a lot of potential and I'm a sucker for romance films in general so it's definitely one I'm going to keep an eye out for Sylvia's yeah. love love it so got some honorable mentions I don't want to dive too far in any of these but some that I came across watched a trailer found really impactful and mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot these at you kind of uh, rapid fire. So the first one is Jungle Land. And it's about a bare knuckle boxer reluctantly traveling across the country with his brother for one last fight. Mm-hmm. Got Charlie Hunnam in it. So already oh, yeah. pretty stoked on that. Oh, yeah. And Jack O'Connell. And directed by Max Winkler, who, fun fact, mm. is Henry Winkler's son. I was about to say, is he the other Winkler? He is. He is a little winkler. <laughs> Don't think he would appreciate being called <laughs> But we'll move right along. The next one, and I think this trailer is pretty fresh, is for Mank. Okay. David Fincher's next film. And one, he, he hasn't directed a film in, I believe, six years now. Mm-hmm. Since uh, Gone Girl, maybe. Ah, okay. But this is going to be on Netflix. It's about the screenwriter, Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote Citizen Kane. Ah, okay. So I think there's been another film about this, but this is kind of a big like biopic on him, set in the 1930s and 40s. It's black mm-hmm. and white. Got Gary Oldman playing him. Oh. And we all know that he can play character uh, roles really well. Oh, yeah. And just like a fun technical thing is it's shot on an 8K red camera, mm-hmm. but it was an 8K monochromatic camera. So it literally there's no color footage from this wow. film. Like it's all black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's also being mixed similar to how it would have been done back then with all the audio tracks on one layer versus now we have like music, dialogue, and effects separate layers um so that's pretty cool i think it'll kind of enhance that experience and how it sounds and looks and uh it's on netflix or it will be when it comes out yeah so i think that'll be another one maybe in the uh running with the oscars if are they even gonna have oscars i don't know we'll talk about that social distance oscars yeah it's like did any movies like who saw the movies i guess people that pick winners um but Right. Uh, another one, News of the World. Got one of my favorite directors, Paul Greengrass, here. Did the Bourne films. Mm-hmm. And got a guy, Tom Hanks. 
Nice. Set as a Civil War veteran agreeing to deliver a girl taken by the Kiowa people. Mm-hmm. And he's taking her to her aunt and uncle against her will. So mm. kind of an interesting travel across the West story set in a previous time frame. And, you know, Tom Hanks, what more do you guys say? Right. I watch anything he does. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Proxima is an Alice Wincore film. It looks like it's kind of been doing the festival thing for a while. Got Matt Dillon, who everyone loves, mm-hmm. and Eva Green. It's about an astronaut preparing for a one-year mission aboard the ISS. Mm-hmm. Shot really interestingly when you watch the trailer. And also, I was um, kind of caught off guard by the French-English language being used kind of in and out throughout so i think it's kind of a blend of uh french and english Mm -hmm. because her character is french she's an astronaut uh, french astronaut and Ah. uh, matt dylan i I think's her husband he's american so okay looking like it's gonna be a good one nice uh dreamland this is miles joris film Mm -hmm. got margaret robbie and Garrett Hedlund, who I love both of them. I think everyone's a big fan of Margo. Yeah, of course. And Logline's pretty dull, but when you watch a trailer, it feels very much like the air it's trying to be. And mm-hmm. it's set in the 30s during the Great Depression. And it's in the Midwest, Western region. I can't really tell. It seems like maybe more New Mexico area. Mm-hmm. But... It just it feels a lot like how Great Gatsby felt, yeah. at least for me. For some reason, like I thought of Great Gatsby. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, it's got that. It's just like a look, like a they take all the sharpness and like turn it down five notches, and just everything's real, kind of smooth and glowing type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, and this literally I think just came out yesterday, which would probably be, I don't know, three weeks from now when this comes out, but The Midnight Sky. Mm. This is George Clooney directing. Nice. And it's a Netflix film, which he also stars in, alongside Felicity Jones, our girl from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And it's about a post-apocalyptic world where the character Augustine, George Clooney, a lone scientist in the Arctic, Races to stop Sully, who I think is Felicity Jones' character, and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a series of mysterious global catastrophes. Mm. So I think it's kind of one of those bigger fantasy sci-fi type films. And And I uh, love sci-fi. You know, it might be a 5 out of 10, but I think it's interesting. And George Clooney stepping into a directing role, which... I'm drawing a blank on if he's done this before, but it w- I want to say it's one of few times, if not the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I want to just mention like I saw something about this film and I was like, I I'm so interested in it. It's got one of those like we talked about earlier, one of those long lines that's like this guy has to stop them from uh, this a post-apocalyptic tale of Augustine. Uh, in the Arctic, and then um, 
trying to stop these astronauts from coming back, returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. That's that's like, man, how do you do that? <laughs> how can you tell people you can't come home because there's no home to come back <laughs> to, right? That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for post-apocalyptic in general, but especially when it involves like leaving or being on earth and trying to leave things like that mm-hmm. it just really kind of puts in perspective kind of how small we are and mm-hmm. uh it's always fascinating yeah sweet nice so those are some films that are either out right now or coming out soon sometime before the end of the year or maybe even early 2021 that we recommend maybe checking out the trailer and seeing what you think and we would yeah. love to hear any other trailers that you guys have watched. These are just ones that you know maybe we like. And so we obviously didn't review all of them because that would have been like a four-hour episode. A long episode. And no one's got time for that. Right. Unless you do and let us I know. Mean, I mean, we could yeah. do a four-hour episode. <laughs> we, I, I can talk forever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know what you think. You can drop us an email at cinevibescast at gmail.com or you can follow us over at the Cinevibes on Instagram. Uh, We love hearing from you guys. We're always posting stories about when we drop episodes, what's coming up in the future. We'll always drop uh, every now and then some polls for you guys to uh, just get involved with the podcast and just you know, join the community around the podcast as well and just get to know more people in the community uh, that we may interview or uh, that you may see uh, us post about. Um, So yeah, again, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. It was really fun to go watch all of these trailers and just do deep dives on films that we're really interested in uh, for the future. Absolutely. And we're out.